Hello, and welcome to the second ever Wildwood Soulcast. This is Martina Rutledge of martinarutledge.com and Into the Wildwoods of the Soul. And I'm so happy you're here. Today, I want to talk about the power of story. A big component of the work I do as a writer, course creator, and coach for heart and spirit-led women is centered around story. I use story as a means to share who I am, what I do, and what I stand for. And I bet you do too, maybe even more than you think. But story also has so much power as a metaphor for discovering our own magic and direction as a vehicle for overcoming blocks and fears and as a lens for personal development. So what is it that makes story such a powerful tool for growth? Well, for one, our brains are wired for it. That's why people have been telling stories for as long as humanity has existed. Our ancestors told stories as they sat around the hearth fire to entertain and pass the time. They told stories to teach and pass on information because they knew that story was a powerful repository for knowledge. They used story as a way to figure out the world. Stories that we call myth today are really an attempt by our ancestors to explain the nature of deity and the world around them and to personify the gods and capture the essences of individual gods and goddesses and natural phenomena in a way that people could understand and relate to. You see, story lends us context. Story allows us to give events meaning. Winston Churchill famously said, history is written by the victors. And he's right. It's true. He who shapes the story has the power, and he who has the power shapes the story. The ability to tell our own stories is a hallmark of sovereignty. That's one of the reasons why so much women's history has been lost to us. Throughout a great swath of history, women weren't seen as important, and they certainly weren't sovereign. Therefore, except for some notable exceptions, their stories were often left untold or even co-opted. One of my favorite examples of this comes from the story of a real-life German woman you've probably never heard of. Her name was Charlotte Stieglitz. While you may not know her, she actually became a pretty big deal during her time, and for a lot of wrong reasons. Charlotte Stieglitz lived in the 19th century and became famous as a third of a trio of women who were known among German intellectuals as the Three Muses. She was the wife of a not very successful and kind of mediocre poet, Heinrich Stieglitz, who got a lot of attention after she committed suicide at the tender age of 28, a few days after Christmas in 1834, creating a massive uproar among young romantic poets. Now, as her husband's version of the story went, Charlotte loved him so much that she made the ultimate sacrifice to become his muse and inspire him to write great poetry. And you know what? People believed it. After her death, Charlotte was praised for killing herself to inspire her husband and held up as this perfect specimen of womanhood in all of its idealized peaches and cream beauty. She was glorified as a woman who was almost as smart as a man, but not too smart and as a woman who ultimately knew her place as a dutiful wife and piece of arm candy. She knew that it was her duty as a woman 
to be good, chaste, and willing to sacrifice all in support of the man she loved. To commemorate this event, Stieglitz and another writer friend wrote a tribute book in her honor and called it Charlotte Stieglitz, a memorial. In their version of events, one night when Heinrich was out at the theater, Charlotte stayed home because she wasn't feeling well. Instead of napping, she dismissed the servants and bravely put on a virginal white nightgown, took a dagger with her into her bed and stabbed herself in the heart while still having the presence of mind to pull it out, arrange her blankets to chastely cover herself, presumably as any modest paragon of feminine virtue would do. And only then did she die as ladylike in death as she was in life. Now, if we look at Charlotte's own diaries, we get a little different story. Today, we would probably say that she, a decent poet in her own right, by the way, who wasn't really allowed the space to create, was depressed. That's the thing that happens when we have a voice to share, things to say, and no means of truly being heard. That's what happens to her spirit when we don't feel like we're taken seriously. Her journals are peppered with anecdotes about how frustrating it was for her to be denied the same access to education and opportunity as the men around her. And it's pretty clear that whatever her reason was for committing suicide, and that's something we'll probably never know, it was likely not to inspire anyone to write great poetry. But she wasn't empowered to tell her own story, so someone else told it for her. Again and again throughout history, we see this happening with women who walked before us. It happened during the Inquisition when women who were tortured and burned by the church as witches. And again, during the Salem witch trials. It happened during the rise of psychoanalysis when we had all of these women who were being diagnosed as suffering from hysteria. When what they really were suffering from was a dissatisfaction with the narrow roles afforded to women in their time. And that's a notable parallel they have with the types of women who were accused of witchcraft in the past. They were quote unquote out of control and didn't fit in to acceptable societal norms. And we see it again with our own mothers and grandmothers who were sent away for shock treatments to be cured of a malaise that often had more to do with just wanting more than it did with any kind of true mental illness. So you see, for a big part of history, we women have not been empowered to tell our own stories. And often when we try to, we've been shut down. And the truth is that when we don't claim that power for ourselves or simply aren't allowed to access it, it's really difficult to flourish because we can't grow and expand as we're meant to when we live inside little tiny boxes that say, you can be this, this, and this, but not this. For a woman to grow and expand, she has to be allowed to live in the realm of possibility and creation. And women are natural creators. We're biologically designed to create and sustain life. And that's pretty sacred work. And yet, for so much of history, we've been barred from creating and shaping the story of our own lives. And while we're fortunate to live in an age where we can claim our voices and tell our stories, it is nothing to take for granted. That's why I'm so passionate about helping other women embrace the power to claim, shape, and tell their own tale and define who they are and what it is they really want out of life. 
It's also why we should all be passionate about the power to shape and tell our stories. It is only when we are able to do so that we can even begin to believe in our power to shape the world and make a difference. And that's why we're here. And let's face it, our world could use a bit of healing feminine energy. Things have gotten a lot better for us women than they were in centuries past, but we still have a ways to go. And that's why it's so important that women claim their voices and use them. Because again, once we empower ourselves to tell the story, we get to define who we are and what we stand for and use that power in ways that reflect our values and make a difference, not in just our own lives, but in the world around us too. If you'd like to learn more about me or my work, I invite you to come visit me at martinarutledge.com. And until next time, be true to your own wild magic, your voice, and especially yourself, for you are sacred, my friend.